0: What I thought I'd like to do with you tonight is do an actual contemplation and thereby maybe make it more graphically understood what it means to contemplate. Because contemplation is a very important adjunct to meditation, uh, a very important part of spiritual life. It leads to insight. Meditation, when it is concentration, is leading to calm. Contemplation only leads to insight, but insight eventually also helps us to have a little more calm. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to say the sentence on which to contemplate. And I'd like you to repeat it after me so that it sticks in your mind better and then I will say something about it so that you can use those things I say as contemplative material naturally you can use anything you wish these are only suggestions that I'll make and uh, it is something that we also do with a meditative mind And we, but we do not have just that subject of trying to concentrate without having any thought interfere. A contemplative subject should always be of universal truth, but have individual application. In other words, it should be true for everyone, but it should also be important to oneself. That is a a subject of contemplation which will bring real insight. So in order to get started, please put the attention on the breath for just a moment. Now please repeat after me. I am of the nature to decay. I have not got beyond decay. Now the way you could contemplate on that is first of all to investigate whether this is a true statement. If it is a true statement then you need to investigate whether you have actually ever paid attention to that. And if not, why not? And then, now paying attention to it, you could investigate whether you have any feelings about it, feelings of dislike or rejection, any kind of feelings of worry. And having done so, whether this decay also tells you something more about yourself and the world around you. I am of the nature to be diseased. I, be
1: diseased.
0: I have not got, disease. I not got beyond disease. Now again you can investigate whether this is true, whether there is disease, unease. And well, if that is true, what does that tell us about the ownership of this body? about the nature of this body is it really under our jurisdiction is it really me I'm of the nature to die. I'm to die. I have not got
1: beyond
0: death. I have not got beyond death. Now here we don't have to inquire whether this is true. We all do know that. But what we can inquire is whether we purposely try to avoid the reality of that. And if so, Why? We can also inquire whether we have any objection to it, rejection, resistance, or whether we're ready for it any time. If not, why not? that is mine, dear and delightful, will change and vanish. vanish. Now here again we have to inquire whether this has been true in the past about people, possessions, situations, experiences, feelings, which were held dear and delightful. Have they changed? Have they vanished? If we find that to be true, what does that tell us about those that we hold dear and delightful now? And do we realize where pain comes from? Emotional pain. Am the owner of my karma. I am the owner of my karma. This is a very important aspect of our lives and it needs to be incorporated into our thinking so that it becomes a knowing without having to refer to it again and again, habitual. It means that. We take full responsibility for everything that happens to us because we have put the causes into action and therefore the effects are ours. And we do not think that other people's doings have anything to do with our karma. It's ours, we're responsible. That refers to both, good and bad karma. to my karma karma. this means that we are aware of the fact that we inherit exactly that which we have put into the stream of action so if we want to have a valuable inheritance day by day we have to look after the value of it ourselves. It creates within us, if we keep on contemplating, remembering this, it creates more care about our actions. Born of, my karma. born of my karma. Here we can contemplate the fact that the situation we're born into, the parents we have, are karmic resultants and are given to us as learning experience. Related to my karma. karma. It's quite important that we get an idea of the relationship we have to our karma. It is the closest relationship that we can ever have. We could say, I am my karma. With that closeness of relationship, we need to come to terms with the cause and effect of it and need to make, need to use our attention, our mindfulness on these aspects. lived supported by my karma.
1: karma.
0: Here we can contemplate past and present circumstances and see that it isn't necessarily material support which is most important in our lives, but the results of our decisions. Whatever karma I, I, I shall do, that I shall inherit. This contemplation brings us to this moment where we are making karma in all our waking, moment, waking moments, and if we are careful, we can direct our karma to bring us desirable results. So this contemplation can carry over into our daily living, moment to moment. Now, if you like to do contemplation, you don't have to use all of these factors, but I have given you the five daily recollections. The Buddha said we should recollect these five laws of nature every single day so that they no longer are either a mystery or a tragedy or something to be avoided or to be rejected, but that they become an understanding that this is the way the human life functions. It is basic, and uh, when we see that this is the way a human life functions, then all these things which we consider tragedies or causes for despair such as death are not seen as such they are part of life and when they are no longer feared or worried about then life is much easier to live in fact then life doesn't have a kind of anxiety in it which is our survival syndrome. It doesn't mean that we throw ourselves in front of the first truck that comes along. It just means that if that truck should run us over, well, that's just the way it is. And all this worry and fear about the body, which is never totally um, pleasing. It always gets something wrong with it all that worry and fear about the body, that also disappears. So the first four of the five daily recollections are concerned with impermanence. And all we need to do for a contemplation is we need to contemplate our own impermanent aspect. We don't have to remember each word. And by the same token, it is very helpful to also contemplate in addition to that the impermanence of our surroundings and to see things around us in the same light now these are contemplations which can be done at any time if one sits under a tree one can be grateful for the shade but one can see the impermanence of that also the tree, the shade, whatever it is that is existing. So we can branch out from our own self nature to that which is around us. And decay, disease, and death are of course givens in our existence. And they show impermanence so clearly. But the other one, the all that is mindy and delightful, shows up the reason for our dukkha, namely attachment. Doesn't mean that we stop loving. It just means that we stop grabbing. And we don't stop overnight either. But at least we can start to take a look and see what is it that is causing us emotional pain, worry and fear. Why isn't there totally peacefulness, harmony, happiness, ease within us? Why is there always something that's causing us to look outward for something better or inward to, to worry about? So these are the first four. They are all concerned with impermanence. And the last one is karma. It's very easily understood there's no mystery to it at all in Christian terminolo- terminology it's called as you sow you will reap very simple we keep forgetting it it's so simple that it's almost simplistic and because we've got convoluted minds we forget all the simple things if we don't forget it we will be more careful now we have what are called the three doors the three doors are thought, speech and action that's all there is there's nothing else we have no other way of manifesting we, we can either think it or we can say it or we can do it and these are the ways we make karma through our manifesting in one of those three ways. Now, obviously, it's a thought that starts it all. We can't say what we haven't thought. We can't do what we haven't thought about first. Although sometimes our speech is so impulsive that we blurt out with something that we don't even realize we've thought about. But it has to be a reaction to the thought, no matter how impulsive it is. So the the first defense is against unwholesome thinking. Not to let an unwholesome thought arise which has not yet arisen. Not to let an unwholesome thought continue which has already arisen to make a wholesome thought arise which has not yet arisen to make a wholesome thought continue which has already arisen a meditator is fully aware of the fact that thoughts are just thoughts they have no reality and no basic truth in them in fact they are disturbing and knowing that in meditation one must be able to translate that into daily living otherwise one won't won't need to meditate if we can't translate our meditative experience into our daily living we are wasting our time the two have to help each other so if in meditation unwanted thoughts arise it is obvious that thoughts are arising and they are also ceasing and we don't have to run after each one of them and do something about it. On the contrary, we can learn to drop the thought and go back to the meditation subject. And the longer we meditate, the easier it becomes. So we can, in daily living, learn to drop the unwholesome thought and substitute with a wholesome one. We don't have to believe, I don't like him, I don't like her, I can't stand him, I I can't be together with them, I have to be uh, alone, I have to have it this way. We don't have to believe all that. These are all divisive uh, thoughts which have rejection and resistance in them and are therefore unwholesome. They are all part of hate and they don't make anyone happy, least of all oneself. So we don't have to believe any of that. We can see this is unwholesome. This is not helpful. So we can learn to substitute. We don't have to have it this way. Our meditative practice must be able to help us to drop and substitute and to recognize and therefore the labeling, the labeling of the thought, this is hate, this is greed, this is future, this is past. This is nonsense, this is unnecessary. And all the rest of the labels, envy, jealousy, whatever it may be, worry and fear. So that is our karma making. The mental formations are called in Pali the sankharas. That is also translated as karma formation. This is where we make karma. Now we often reinforce that through speech, and through action but in the thought itself the karma is being made if it is not reinforced through speech or action it is milder than if it is reinforced but it's still karma so the quicker we substitute the negative to the positive the less unwholesome karma we make and also the more adept we become at it and the less of the negative is embedded within. So if we take responsibility as being the owner of our karma, and it's about the only thing we own, there's nothing else we really own. Everything else we have is on loan, including this body. But karma we actually own. As long as we're not enlightened, we own our karma. So we might as well look after it. Because we look after everything else we own. We look after our houses and our cars and our motorbikes and our uh, children who are supposed to be owned by us and we look after this body and we look after all sorts of things which we believe we own. None of that is really owned. All of that we're only caretakers for. This we own. So we got to look after it. If we look after that, our life takes on a much smoother end much easier way of um, flowing along. Because if we make good karma, that is like oil on the troubled waves. It just smooths everything out. The more bad karma we make, the more difficult it becomes. When we make good karma, we can also see that our opportunities are manifold as if we're living in a house with many doors if we make bad karma everything shrinks if the karma is bad enough we might find ourselves in a prison cell where we have no door to get out because that's extremely bad karma it's only to be used as an analogy so owning what happens to us also means that we no longer blame the trigger. Who is there to blame? It's our own karma. We've done it. If somebody is nasty to us, it's not necessary that we've been nasty to the same person, but it's guaranteed that we've been nasty to somebody. And who hasn't been? So, there's nobody to blame. Whatever happens is happening because we've put it into motion and as we put it into motion over and over again it happens over and over again one day we wake up and say no I won't put that into into effect anymore this doesn't work then we become very careful we watch our thoughts and as we watch them we learn to change them our inheritance is that which we can really say is ours Sometimes there are great uh, disputes over uh, inheritances and uh, people go to court about them. About this one, nobody can go to court. It's ours, no matter what. And this is a very important aspect, when somebody else does something wrong, which may even affect us because we're reacting to it. If the other person is doing something wrong, one must remember it's their karma and all that's required from us is compassion if it is something wrong because they're making bad karma. So the killer and the killed both get the same compassion. The killer is because he's doing something very wrong and the killed because he's having something wrong done to him or her. It's the other person's karma. It has nothing to do with us. That's why whether we interfere or not makes no difference. What we do is our karma. So if we see someone who is very poor it's nobody's fault. It's that person's karma. But that does not relieve us from not helping that person. If we don't help then we make bad karma. But there's nobody to blame. It's not the system. There has never been a system organized yet where karma does not operate. And that's why revolutions don't work. Never have and never will. Karma is the way it runs in this world. It's a law of nature. But we notoriously don't like the laws of nature. So if there's somebody very sick, it's their karma. When we don't help, we make bad karma. We must consistently disengage ourselves and separate ourselves, realizing that what we do is our karma, what other people do is their karma. If we don't see it that way, we're constantly going to be in confusion. We are the inheritors of our own karma, of the actions we have made. We are related to it to the extent that our whole life depends on it. We are constantly supported by it. Our whole lifespan depends on karma. Whether we live short or long lives, healthy or sick ones, depends on karma, the support system. And we make karma in all our waking moments, So we might as well watch out. Contemplation means that we choose any subject which has universal application, apply it to our own lives, see how it works in our own life. If we can't find it, well, try something else. And then keep on that subject and see whether a new relationship to that subject a new reaction to that subject arises within whether we can see death in a different way whether we can see karma in a clearer way and if that arises within then some insight has arisen insight can be can be said to be seeing the old in a new way we know it all we just don't see it properly So seeing the old and familiar with new eyes. And contemplation can be very useful at times when the mind does not wish to concentrate because it just has had too much input during the day and has had too many um, disturbances from its calm. And at that time, contemplation can be very useful because it also helps to drop all the individual concerns one has which seem to be so important. But in reality, they are only individual and um, minor things which do not have a universal application. Getting to contemplation, we can think of universal application. I give you now time to ask some questions if you like. Our mm-hmm. thoughts karma. Our hmm? thoughts karma. Our thoughts karma. Yes. Yes. That's the first line of karma. That's where we make our most karma. Because we don't always say or, or act, but we always think. Uh, I
1: mean, the thoughts that arise, in the previous karma, the previous action.
0: Oh, our thoughts arising because of previous karma. Mm. Yes. Well, you can look at it this way. It's about the only way we can see it properly, namely that. We have limited free will. Our karma gives us the, the limitation. But within that limitation, we have free will. So as we have free will to make good karma, that um, limitation becomes larger. You can say, for instance, like um, if you tether a goat uh, to a a stake and give it it a, a rope, and now that goat can go in a circle. It can choose where to go within that circle. That's all. That's how our karma limits us. But the more good karma we make, the longer the rope gets. So our thoughts are also based on the karma we have made. But if we consistently only allow ourselves to have the wholesome thoughts, we have more opportunity. Is that what you asked about? Okay. (laughs) All right, what else? Is it clear how to do contemplation? to take a subject and stay with it and see how it applies to oneself. Yes? Um, if your mind does stray during your contemplation, do you do the
2: thought labeling one like that or do you just go straight back trying to think it? Either
0: way, either way. If it's easier, to, better maybe to go straight back. <coughs> Otherwise you get off on a tangent then.
2: Mm.
0: Like about that subject, well yes um, it could be short <coughs> you see some minds have a capacity to make connections um, they can connect easily from a fact to, uh, from an outside fact to an inner experience that's actually what contemplation is all about the outside fact the connection to the inner experience, right? Now, death, it's an outside fact. But the inner experience is there all the time, the fear of it. So maybe you need one second to make the connection. But it may take half an hour. It may take days. And as long as the mind likes to do it, that's as long as it usually will do it. Yes. I
3: have a question and a request. Yes. Is I couldn't understand what you mean by the first three sentences you use in the contemplation I don't know what you
0: mean by we have not yet got beyond disease do you mean we not, not arrived beyond it not gone beyond it what do you mean by get beyond disease mm. uh, I, these are the wo- Buddha's words I haven't made this up <laughs> these are the Buddha's words um, I'm only uh, repeating them <laughs> um, it means that we are in a in a mortal body in, in which
3: but you mean we have not yet conquered disease? It's up to you, not overcome it. No, no,
0: no. We haven't conquered being in a mortal body. So
3: that's, that's what it means. That's
0: what yes. The conquering of disease is a matter of science. And if you conquer one, as we have lately found out, we get a new one instead. So, there's no percentage in that one. So, um, what happened is, that, no, the Buddha's words denote the fact that we have not got beyond being in this mortal body, which an enlightened one has got beyond after death. You
3: mean gone beyond?
0: He has got beyond being in a b- b- mortal body. You can say gone or got, it makes no difference.
3: Well, if it does to me, because I don't know if this word get, to get with God, has so many means. They're used as a, a word when you can't think something else to say. You get married and you get crossed and you get sunburned. It has no lost meaning. Well,
0: it's the same thing, yes. You get married, you get sunburned, you get beyond this body. It's exactly the same thing.
3: Well, you, you <laughs> might get to Sydney tomorrow,
0: you see. Yes, it's exactly the same thing.
3: You can always find a much more exact way of saying what you mean without using yes
0: so. Okay, so you translate to... it new then. That's the way it's translated, but you can translate it new. I was
3: asking
0: you to. No, <laughs> I'm not a Pali expert. I'm using the translation which is available. <laughs> okay,
3: my request is... I was so busy thinking about what you meant that I missed what the four things
0: that you mentioned. You mentioned four. So, so could you summarize very briefly what those four things were? The four that are impermanent, those four. Yes. Okay. Decay, disease, and death, and all that is mindy and delightful will change and vanish. You see, now, may I point out how much more important that would have been. Than the word get.
1: Oh, quiet. <laughs> yes. So
0: it is really uh, not useful to get hung up, get hung up <laughs> 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 on on an innocuous little word, but rather on the meaning. So the meaning of I'm of the nature to be, to ha- I'm of the nature to decay, well, this is the nature of a mortal body I have not got beyond that but it's possible to get beyond that obviously the sentence itself already says that
1: mm-hmm.
3: those words uh, start with I am and uh, in fact I didn't get past the word I am like deflect it because um, why didn't we use the word the body is to decay rather than for I am to decay, mm. what is I am, so, for example, uh, in this instance,
1: mm.
3: um, do I want to accept, for example, my mind should decay, or should it improve all the
0: years? Is the mind also decaying, you're asking?
3: No, I'm saying is that my body might decay.
0: Yes. Maybe
3: as I get older, perhaps my mind should improve. Yes,
0: maybe it will. We could hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, this is concerning the body.
1: Yes, the first
0: three concern the body. Ah, have you already got beyond the fact of thinking of that this is you? It's not you sitting there, is it? Not you?
1: No,
3: I don't, no, I don't know. <laughs> 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 You know, the difficulty is, is I can use those words.
0: Hmm. Yes, you can use those words. If we don't know what the words mean because we have difficulty with language, that's a different question. But if we don't know what the words mean because we want to make a, a clever explanation out of it, it's useless. Totally useless. This is practice. It's a practice path. And this is not an intellectual um, distinction between how the Pali words have been translated. And the practice path leads to to anatta. And if you've got already anatta, don't do the contemplation.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah,
3: Make a suggestion, assuming that uh, uh, this might be possible to add as an appendix to your text and that's later on to a book version, uh, an appendix with uh, a list of suitable concentration subjects. Assuming there are others besides the one
0: Yes, yes, there are others. Yes, yes. You mean this one and others? And others. Yes, yes. These are traditional ones. Um. They are, of course, there's another traditional one, which is the loving-kindness one. But uh, it's always anatta. So these are always, yes, one can, one can uh, mention that. This is a very important one, because it concerns the I am. That's why it's very important. You see, it's this idea of who I am and uh, also the karma which we really are in on the breath for just a moment Imagine that you have a beautiful white lotus flower growing in your heart which opens all its petals and a golden stream of light comes out of the center of that lotus flower and it fills you with warmth and light peace and contentment and this golden stream of light surrounds you with love Enjoy. Let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to everyone here, filling everyone with warmth and light and peace and contentment and surrounding everyone with love and joy. Now think of all your loved people, those that are nearest and dearest to you, and let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to them, filling them, surrounding them, giving them all the love and the peace that you have. Now think of all your friends and let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to them with all your love and friendship, filling them with it, surrounding them with it. Think of all the people you have met here and there, either knowing them or just seeing them, on your street, in your work, on your travels, wherever they may be, at the golden stream of light, in the center of your heart, reach out to all of them. Giving them all your love Filling them with your friendship Think of all the people whose lives are far more difficult than ours. They may be in hospital, in prison, in refugee camps. Hungry, crippled, blind. Without shelter, without friends. Let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart. Reach out to all these people, wherever they may be. Giving them your love, your compassion, your friendship, so that they may feel that there are people out here wanting to help, wanting to give. Put the attention back on yourself. Let the golden stream of light from your heart fill you with contentment, with peace, and surround you with love. let the golden stream of light go back inside the lotus flower which closes its petals and then anchor the lotus flower in your heart so that it may become one with it. May all beings have love and peace in their hearts. Thank you very much for coming and thank you very much for those, especially to those who've been coming every day. uh, That is especially appreciated because it helped to make a continuity of this. Um, I have decided not to continue tomorrow morning. I find it a little bit more than strenuous. To change the venue mornings and evenings and come and go. So, this is the last evening. And uh, I hope that you will continue your meditation. And I will be in Australia again. For those of you who are really interested in getting your meditation to a good standard, I'm going to give a 10-day course, a live-in course with noble silence at Wat Buddha Dhamma starting on the 17th of February to the 26th. It's a place in the forest, 200 acres. And if you have noble silence and no daily living responsibilities It's a totally different situation for meditation. Having Going back and forth to business and office and household and then coming here, it's um, almost like just hearing about it, but not doing it. When you go in the forest and do it for ten days, it's highly likely that you come out of it with a different outlook on life, and a basis for meditation which is lasting. I'm not making any guarantees. I'm saying this is possible. I don't know all the answers either. I only know what the Buddha taught. So if that anyone would like to do that, the information is in my newsletter over there, which is presumably still lying there. There's a phone number in there or you can ask Margaret about it too, if anybody still wants to do that you're welcome to do that um, if you join the group with uh, uh, that's meditating together, that's also very helpful to, to keep your meditation going I'm thinking that I will be back in Australia next January and I will be most likely at a place <coughs> called Badenoon Retreat Center in Bauru. And I intend to stay there <laughs> and not travel from city to city. I can't do it anymore. It's too strenuous. I'm completely and utterly exhausted, I'm sorry to say. And usually when we have meditation courses, I can regenerate the uh, energy, but I couldn't do it here. It was just too fragmented. So I will be staying there for a period of four months. This is my intention. And um, people are welcome welcome to come there for any length of time that they can spare and meditate there and get any help they wish from me. I will have a weekend course there also and also one 10-day course. And uh, obviously I will send the information to those of you who are on my mailing list and also to the Buddhist Society of ACT. If you're on my mailing list, you will get it as you've used to get my newsletter, which may or may not come again. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to make it again. I have no idea. It's always a guess, guess from one newsletter to the next. But if you are on the mailing list, you will get that information. It's uh, only two hours from Canberra. It's much nearer than Sri Lanka. <laughs> and much cheaper to get there too.
1: <laughs>
0: so, um, and Ian used to want to tell people about books and things and not everything. Four
1: months starting in January,
0: but not this year. No, no. Now, this year I've already committed myself. I started in Brisbane, then Melbourne, <coughs> then Canberra, now Sydney, then Adelaide, and then Darwin. Last time, no more. I just can't do it anymore. The energy output is not uh, in proportion uh, to the benefit. If I stay in one place, I have less, much less energy output. And it's much easier on me, and I can use the energy for, for teaching. Yes, starting January. Yes,
4: yes if uh, anyone's had a chance to look at artists, world-traveling spiritual, the mind models, and uh, after the talk tonight about making good merits and karma and on, it's good if we if we have the opportunity tonight to, to give a donation towards those expenses, the travelling expenses. Uh, it's, of course, the, the giver that receives most, most benefits. So we ask you if you have a few cents in the pocket on your way up to, to give a donation. That worthy cause. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, there's a the worthy cause of the ACT. Society as well, of course, uh, towards their Dharma program. Uh, apart from that, uh, there's, there's not much left for me to say. Um, I'd like, on behalf of the board of you here, to particularly thank Margaret. I'm going to leave to the to thank Aya. Um, thank Margaret, who's done a lot towards organising this retreat. Uh, we, and she started uh, doing that uh, a year ago. She's put a lot into into it. I'd also like to thank Sol, who we could call the property manager. <laughs> She's done a lot of work in securing the premises here and in, uh, in moving a lot, doing a lot of furniture removals and uh, carting up and down the steps and so on. I'd like to thank Sol. And of course, there are quite a few other people that did postering and did, did quite a lot towards uh, buyers, it? I'd like to thank those people as sort well. Of. But uh, now, uh Tree ask if she can please uh, thank Aya on behalf of the ACP Buddhist Society. So I'd like to introduce the Vice President of that society Mrs. Woodshree Day. Aya? I, on behalf of the Buddhist Society of the ACP I would like to thank you for helping us to
2: uh, uh, giving to making good karma, you know, from your teaching,
1: you
2: know, since last Friday until today, we ap- we really appreciate and uh, very grateful mm-hmm. for your teaching. And um, another thing, you know, on your departure tomorrow, I'm sure we will be very sad, you know, mm-hmm. and we will miss you. And we hope that you know, we will meet you again you know, at your center in you know, Canada, <laughs> when you <we> talk about <laughs> if you couldn't come to Canada. And um, um, you are, uh, after this, you, know, you have to go for the Dhammap tour you know, everywhere in Australia. So we wish you, you know, all the best and happiness and good health wherever you go mm-hmm. um, Another one that I also you know, like to thank Yanni and Marcus you know, for, for looking after I uh, came out, you know, during the visit in Canada. And the last one is the Denmark program for next month. Uh, Venerable Tandi he is uh, our patron of the Buddhist Society, and he is the abbot of what Buddha Dhamma. And he coming here you know, on 17, 18, 19, and 20 of March long weekend in Canberra, and he is going to give us Dhamma talk and meditation course in you know, light like Ayakema. And
0: so please keep that thing in your mind. And, uh, and thanks for coming here to tonight. Thank you very much, and also thank Margaret and Song and Ian and Bunsui and all the people who have helped. Ah, and John, of course. Without John, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> he's been driving me back and forth <laughs> and today he's been driving me one two three four five six times <laughs> so it's uh, yes there's a lot of help always needed but uh, i w- i must say that um, this is not the best venue <laughs> As, as it was alright on the weekend, but then when they start using the place, it, uh, it gets a different atmosphere. So the reason I'm saying that is that maybe you can find some place else for Prakantiparo to go, no? Can't you find the? Um, or maybe then there's empty everything empty here. Because, I mean, I've, I've last year we had a private house, and that was better. It was nicer. I think an open place like this is not so good. There's too much, and it, I can, f- too much input from other people's energy and ideas. But And the work, of course, is also very much because we have to come and go all the time. Song had all this work because we had to go up and down and everything. <laughs> and John had all this work because we had to come and go all the time. So uh, maybe if you can find a place here in Canberra which is a little more private.
1: I have no intention (laughs) of coming
0: anywhere. (laughs) I have no intention of going anywhere. This is what I was just saying. I have intention of staying in this place in Bowero and those people who are interested to come there. It's very near. It's... uh, it's uh, no no problem, you know, in, to come there from Canberra. Even the Melbourne people, I mean, they have a 10-hour trip. For them it's also possible to come. So I don't have any intention of going from here to there again. I've, I think I've done my duty. <laughs> it's very, very strenuous. I'm living out of a suitcase months and months and months and months. I can't do it anymore. I just haven't got that kind of energy anymore. So I don't have the intention of coming, no. But I hope you can come to see me. And uh, um, here's the address of the place, and uh, I hope to be there. And thank you again all for coming, especially those of you who've been coming again and again, which was very nice. And uh, all of you who've helped to make it possible And Margaret has even given me her own bed to sleep in.